Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This episode is brought to you by Rye House Kart Raceway. Check them out at rye-house.co.uk and race in their brand new fleet of BizCart twin-engine Le Mans carts. There are still places available, so email spannersready at gmail.com or go to mistapexpodcast.com forward slash karting. You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Mist Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward. I'm Spanners, the host and producer of Missed Apex Podcast. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. I'm joined in the shed by F1 media legend and international man of mystery, Joe Sayward. How's it going, Joe? International man of mystery, I am not but uh, there we are. Um, yeah, it's fine. I've, you know, sort of been a, a little bit um, under the jet lag from Australia weekend. You know, if one goes to Australia for the weekend, it's not a sound thing to do. So I'm just getting back to normal now. I'm off to Bahrain tomorrow. So there we are. And here's the part where we all feel sorry for international jet setter journalist, Joe Saywood. Quite, quite right, too. <laughs> Although, I suppose it does take, what, about 30 hours to get across to Australia? To be honest, I didn't add it up, but it's, it was a lot of films along the way. I'd, I've watched so many films, and I was watching the Russian ones on the way back. So, Do you speak Actually, Russian? They, no, it doesn't matter. They were very good films, um, and they had subtitles. And uh, I was very impressed, actually. They were better than the French ones. All oh, right. I suppose you can speak enough French to look at the French library of movies. I, but... I, I watch all the movies on the aeroplanes, no matter what language, because they all have subtitles. And sometimes I can understand the language as well. But Russian is a bit bit of a long haul. No, Joe. Reading is hard, which is why some people don't read your blog. They tune in to Missed Apex so they can hear you say the things instead of having to read themselves. Sadly, I think you're entirely correct in that respect, um, and it's getting worse. So there we are. What can you do? Well, I haven't read a full book since Netflix got really good a few years ago, even to the point where I bought a book to, to read on holiday, Ready Player One, got bored after about 15 pages and downloaded the audiobook. So it's all Netflix's fault. So Netflix is terrible, even for F1, Joe. I'll let you go away with that one. I'm not going to argue. Uh, it's a load of tosh, what you just said. But there you are. Netflix has done a super job for F1. It's a good link, um, though. Good the, link. The that. fact that you... Yes, yes, yes. Segway bien. Well, 25%, maybe. Anyway, whatever. Um, yes, very good job by Netflix. Good good TV show. And um, actually a very, you know, very true-to-life story. Complete with all the swearing. You know, you think I swear a little bit? Boy, you want to meet Gunter Steiner and me together. Now then, Big Ray in our Slack group, uh, hello Ray in our Patreon Slack group, says, is Joe a fan? 
we have a, we have a Slack group for our patrons. Is he? I'll explain it all to you later, Joe. It's the the world moves forward at a, I, a I massive am actually pace. Involved, I'm involved on a Slack network. I just don't understand a word of it. We'll send you a cheat sheet. But Big Ray in our Slack group says, "Are you a fan of reality TV star Gunter Looney Tunes Steiner? And is that a fair reflection of the real man?" It's a good reflection of of Gunter. In fact, I went to see him. Um, you're going to have to bleep this next bit. I went to see him um, in Australia, and I said, "Gunter Steiner, you're a legend." Um, and and he went, "Why?" And I said, "Because uh, he hasn't he hadn't actually seen it at that point." Um, I think it come he comes across really well. In fact, you know, I think he was the star of the show. Uh, but that is Gunter. That's the way he is. He's very passionate, and um, you know, he uses the language accordingly. But the one thing about the Netflix show is that that, that is the language that you, you, you hear all the time in Formula One, except when the cameras are rolling. So obviously, Gunter Steiner would have known the cameras were rolling. Do you know if he's aware of how much of a, a megastar in F1 he's become because of that? I think universally, everyone just loves him now. Yeah, he's aware of it. Um, I, the only thing he's also aware of is his wife disapproves of swearing, which is quite funny. Um, so he, he, he sort of kept looking over his shoulder going, my wife, she doesn't like this, you know. Um, but you know, Gunter is passionate and that's what it's all about. Um, and that's what I think Netflix does. It humanizes or it has humanized the sport. It's given everybody um, more of a, uh, just just some more coverage of what people are really like. And I, and I love it. I think it's terrific. And I hope there's a second series, third series, fifth series, whatever, because it's bringing in new fans. There's no question about it. Absolutely no question. So is there a danger, though, like with the Big Brother series, Joe, which is where uh, people went into a, a set up house and they were observed 24-7 by cameras? I'm sure it was beneath your viewing habits. But the first series was quite genuine. But then the subsequent series were filled with people who were there because they thought they were going to be big stars. Is there... Is there a, a danger that you're going to get, like, somebody trying to be the next Gunter Steiner? I don't know. I'm, I did hear some stories, and I can't possibly comment about who, of team principals who um, who wanted to reshoot things. Because oh, come on. I'm just telling you what I heard. Who wanted to reshoot things because they didn't like the first take. Um but I don't think most of them, I think most of them are too busy going racing. Those who have time to worry about whether they look good are really not, probably not doing a great job. Or they're head of a big organisation that um, that the people are doing a job and therefore they're not particularly useful to anybody and therefore eventually someone will realise that they don't do much and get fired. Well, should we go away from reality television and go onto the track, like. Joe? In fact, you know, your your trip out to Bahrain, it means you hardly get any time at home. So thank you very much for taking some time out of your, your short little stint at home to come and chat to us. Does it feel like you sort of barely touched the ground? Do you even bother unpacking? Um, yeah, I've been home for a week, you know. it's it's The only thing is I haven't been sleeping in any, any way, shape or form normally. It's quite fun, actually, because I don't know what day it was, probably Wednesday or Thursday last week. And I was there looking at Twitter and there was a great Twitter conversation going on between all the Formula One people who were wide awake in Europe. <laughs> who were wired. All suffering, all suffering from jet lag um, and all talking to each other because there was nobody else awake. And, you know, that's the way it is. And it's always been like that. Um, you, can, you can train your mind against it. But this time I made a fairly fundamental error when I got home which I needed to do, oddly enough. But I, I fell asleep in the afternoon when I get home. You should always, once you're, when, when you arrive back, you should stay awake until the first yeah. night falls. But I couldn't do it. It was just not possible. I would have face-planted myself. Um, and I was so tired that I just went to sleep. And that really screwed me for the whole week. So, um, And I'm just about back to normal now and just enough time to go off to Bahrain. But Bahrain's only, you know, it's not a big deal. It's no big deal. Uh, we just watched the Australian Grand Prix. As as usual, it doesn't always give us an indication of the the, the value of racing that we're going to get for the season. For a lot of regular F1 fans who 
kind of want to get their friends into it. You know, we go, it's, it's the first race, come and watch it. And then we watch what is inevitably, it's good racing and it's a good track to drive on. But we don't see the action-packed results of like Bar of China, Bar of China and Bahrain. Is there anybody in the paddock that is kind of aware of that? Is there is there anything we can do? Oh yes, I mean the, 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 Australia wants to be the first race, but it has zero overtaking. I mean it's not as bad as Monaco, but it's not far short of that. And there's a certain amount of pressure on them now to say, well, if you want to be the first race, you've got to put on a good show. And the fact is that going around Albert Park, you can't overtake. Um, and as we saw, you, you know, you're just stuck. So there's pressure on for them to do something about it. And they can do something about it. It's going to cost money. But if they go, just imagine you're going whizzing down the main straight uh, in front of the pit building. And instead of turning right and then left, if you just go straight on, there is a way through if you go look on Google Earth, you can find a way through. There's a golf driving range out there and there's a cricket oval. Okay, the cricket oval is going to get run over, but it can move sideways. You know, it's, it's nothing that's, that's majorly difficult. And basically, turn one, sorry, turn three would become turn one. And you would arrive with cars at screaming amounts of speed. Uh, breaking heavily for turn three, and you could then have a sort of a straight long enough to make a difference, which is what they haven't got at the moment. The straights are too short. So they need an overtaking space, and I think that's one good way of doing it. Now, can I guarantee that that would create overtaking before they invest millions to build it? The answer is no, I can't. But, you know, there must be a way of and, – and the Formula One group is working on all kinds of ways to figure out how to make overtaking work. But as Baku has shown, a very long straight at high speed is usually quite a good way of doing it. So I think that that's something that the Australian Grand Prix needs to look at because it's never been great for overtaking, to be honest. And and I think at the start of the season, at the end of the season, you want racetracks that really things can happen at. And, And that's it. I don't think anyone's saying it's not a good racetrack. Because if you go in it in a sim, as no, you... but it's not. But it's not a good racetrack. It's a good track to drive. That, that's more what not, I mean. Yes, but it's not a good racetrack. So, you know, the fact is that Formula One is a show. Uh, it, it's a sport. Uh, it is a competition, and you want to have a real competition, not just people sitting behind one another going, "Why can't I overtake?" So, and I think it's particularly important the first race and the last race because they have they have a long shadow, if you like, both of them. And so I think we need to have first races and last races that are really exceptional from racing point of view. And, and Australia isn't. So, you know, as much as I like Australia, I don't think the racetrack is right. We're not saying that we need to be swapping cars every corner, but certainly you don't want a track where the, the, the game is over once you get stuck behind a slower car. Certainly Gasly suffered behind Kvyat and you would have expected on any other track that Gasly would have been able to get past under normal circumstances? Well, actually, the, the, the best example of it was Giovinazzi, um, who basically stayed out for a very long time, held up all the people who should have scored points, yeah. which included uh, Lando Norris and Alexander Albon. They were both on for point scores. But Giovinazzi stayed out deliberately, by the way. He, he was protecting... Kimi Räikkönen and giving Kimi Räikkönen a chance to score points. But what that did was it gave um, Kvyat and uh, Stroll the ability to score points when really they didn't deserve it. Um, and it was it was sad because it would be great to see the young guys get points yeah. on their debuts, but Giovinazzi basically uh, played the game and blocked them. And and it's, it's a track uh, that allows for that. And even just one overtaking spot as you described would shuffle that out so we would still see the fastest cars competing but they would have a chance to get past the Giovinazzi's and the and the Kvyat's who are creating roadblocks uh, but that brings us nicely on to uh, Force India I got a lot of stick because sorry, sorry what, who's Force India I don't racing I've still written Force India in the notes you know old habits die hard racing point sport Pisa stroll racing yes I think yeah we're there we got it. That'll Something be, like that's that. That's close yes. enough. Still the pink team. Um, but I 
I'm not a massive fan of Lance Stroll and have said that, you know, I think Perez will easily beat him. Of course, here comes the first race and Stroll finishes ahead of Perez and everyone goes, ah, see, Spanners, you're an idiot. And Stroll's amazing and Perez is rubbish. You've lost both two of your longest standing arguments. Yeah, but I I think it was a very special circumstance and Perez was one of the people stuck behind Giovinazzi. So I don't think that one can... I I don't think you can judge anything on the first race, to be (laughs) honest. Mercedes is not that far ahead of Ferrari. um, And I think that Red Bull's in the mix. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting... It will be very interesting in Bahrain to see how it goes. So those two's relative talents aside, I still expect... Perez to come out on top of Stroll overall, especially in qualifying. Uh, but no, no. If he doesn't, there's something wrong with Formula One, or they're fiddling uh, within the team to make the sun look good. But you're not going to do that. It would be, it would not be smart to do that. So, um, you know, a team needs to score points with its strongest drivers. So if Stroll's good enough, he'll he'll you know pull out all the stops. He should be, well, I mean, if he's any good, he'll be able to beat Perez. Ocon beat Perez all the time. So, um, you know, if he's any good, Stroll will beat Perez. If he's not good enough, he won't. It's as simple as that. And Perez is a relatively decent marker to judge a, a young oh, driver against. Perez is a very good racing driver. There's no question about it. But, you know, he is, he's not Ocon, as we, as was seen last year. You know, he's not... He's not absolutely front line, but he's good enough um, to be to to be there. He should be there. Uh, the team itself, Joe. Uh, we were talking about you know extra finance going in. There's the backing of uh, of Lawrence Stroll and his backers, but everyone had kind of assumed that that would take a long time to shuffle in. Yet I was hearing people talking about them being happy that they can now bring upgrades from race one and they can already start their development cycle instead of having to wait till Barcelona. Are we going to see an immediate effect of the new regime at Racing Point Sport Pisa Stroll? No, I doubt we'll see it a very immediate <laughs> effect. Uh, I think we we need to give them time to develop more facilities. And uh, maybe they can do a little bit more production. Maybe they'll bring a bit more in-house, which like, makes them less dependent on outside suppliers but you know at the end of the day they need a couple of years they're building a new factory oh really if they get oh yeah it's all happening apart from the planning permission it's it's two years to go through the process so but they're embarked on that process it's next door to the old one so you know it's not going to be a big deal but uh, it'll probably include the old one too to be honest i haven't looked at the details as yet um but you know they're moving forward so We'll see how well they do. It's it's the same of any team that's been taken over by yeah. somebody else. It's I don't it's think just, I don't think um, it is the same, Joe. I don't think it is the same. I think there's this strange drive and this not not strange. That's unfair. This n- not quite seen before drive from the Stroll family to to push their their son to the front. And I mean, how does how does a Force India uh, a, a Force Stroll make itself into a Brackley? Is it just more staff? And, and just throwing a weight of engineers at the problem. Is, is that what they're going to be looking to do, just a huge recruitment drive? Well, they need to recruit, but to get the right people, it takes a couple of years in Formula 1 these days. So, And Stroll um, will only be, what, 22 by then. I think Stroll could be challenging for titles. That's what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to keep pumping in money until they've got a championship-winning car for Lance Stroll. Yeah, but if he's not good enough, he's not ever going to win the championship, is he? Rosberg won a championship. Oh, controversial. Don't email me. I was joking. Right. <laughs> uh, no, you no. weren't. No, you weren't joking. That's perfectly <laughs> That's perfectly fair comment. Nico Rosberg is not a patch on Lewis Hamilton, uh, except when Lewis Hamilton was destabilised. And the fact that Nico won the championship was because Lewis had a breakdown in Malaysia. And Nico was smart enough to realise he'd never win the championship again. So he retired. And he knew that. He knew he wasn't as good. So otherwise he wouldn't have retired, would he? No, I agree. Um, I'm I'm trying to trying to figure out whether I should say I was joking or not joking. I'll leave it up to you, but do send your hateful emails to Joe Saywood at gmail.net. Why not? 
Yeah, that'll do. It, they'll they'll all come back bouncing back because that doesn't exist. But there you go. So I I don't really like hate mail. So just send it to the moon as far as I'm concerned. I'm I'm sure you get a hundred emails saying, Joe, you're amazing. Keep doing what you're doing, fella. For everyone no, that says, no, Joe, no, you're an I idiot. Don't, actually. Do I get a lot of abusive stuff. Oh, no. And, and sometimes, no, no, sometimes, well, because everybody knows better. Everyone on the internet knows better than everybody else, don't they? So um, I get very bored with it. And sometimes I think, why do I bother? <laughs> but I keep doing it because that's what you're supposed to do. We're supposed to engage with the fans, even if the fans are morons. You know, that that's just, I know it can happen. I'm sorry. You know, there are a percentage of Formula One fans who are not very intelligent. And that's just the way it is. Um, you just have to accept that. A large percentage of Formula One fans are intelligent, but you know, that's the internet for you. You have to accept, you know, you take the rough with the smooth, you take the drongos with the smart people. So yeah, that's that's the game, isn't it? And as a content creator or a journalist or a public figure like yourself, Joe, you are expected to kind of take your lumps, but you're only human. Let's let's prove him wrong. Anybody, anybody whose ears this sound is going to, let, let's prove Joe wrong. At Joe Sayward on Twitter, tell him how you, you like him and appreciate what he's doing almost as much as you like spanners. Uh, but why don't we move on to things more positive? Because actually, when we've talked about McLaren in the entire time I've known you, it's been, oh dear, well, what's going wrong now? But, you know, Lando Norris looking pretty strong in qualifying. The whole team seems to have moved forward. They've dropped the attitude of we'll be... Uh, leading the championship by the summer it's if we reduce our expectations and squint it kind of looks okay if you squint a lot yeah. <laughs> okay they, they have they have to they have to be uh beating the renault team if they are mclaren of old now, they are a customer engine unit red bull regularly beat the renault team so if it's if it's mclaren as in the old days they've got to be beating Renault. They're not beating Renault. I doubt they will beat Renault. Um, and I have I have reservations about McLaren at the moment. Tell I us love them. Not to. Well, I just I, I'm not convinced yet of what they've got. What they have is a, is a, is a good solid car, um, but I don't think it's a, an exceptional car. They have decent drivers who yet to prove themselves. Um, and I think we need to have a little bit more evidence of um, the desire and the ability, and those two are different things, uh, the desire and ability to be the old McLaren. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. It's like Williams, you know. You've got to have the desire and the ability. Um, and they may have the desire, but they don't have the ability. Um, whatever it is. It pains me to see great teams in pain. Um, but great teams in pain have to wake up to the reality of life and, and change. If they don't change, they'll die, like Tyrrell did. Uh, let's see there in the chat room, uh, Build Motor Second, a Greek name, uh, says, Joe, Mac does look better. Offnell says, no, Zach Brown will ruin McLaren even more. I did lead off, Joe, by saying... We do need to reduce our expectations. And you went straight to, well, if it's the McLaren of old, they have to beat Renault. Do we have to be realistic? Let's look at this as Zach Brown's McLaren, if you like. It's still a step forward. Is he the right man to to keep them nudging forward? Uh, we'll see. All I know is if you go and visit McLaren in Woking, you go to a place that is far in excess of anything you will see at Enster. They have incredible resources. They have incredible amounts of money. They should be doing better than they are. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and to be beaten by Renault is not good enough. So that, that that's what I'm saying. Thank God it's better than last year. Last year was a complete and utter, I believe the American military has a term, the second <laughs> word, well, the first word is cluster, and the second word you can make up. But last year was a disaster. Um, and... They have to come back from a long way back. And being a little bit humble is a good idea because yes. if you talk too much of a game, you just come across as a windbag. So, you, you know, you don't want that to happen. Well, you, you've, you've, ruined, you've ruined my 
put, trying to put wind in the sails. There's a lot of McLaren fans out there who want to see their team doing well. Uh, but we can be positive. Everybody wants to see McLaren doing well, apart from McLaren haters, of which there aren't that many in the world, but there are a few. But <laughs> now McLaren is a fantastic racing team, and I want to see them do well, but I want to make sure that, you know, it's all very well. You, you could go on blah, blah, blah and say it's fantastic, this <laughs> and that, but it's not. The results are the only the only deciding factor are the results in Formula One. And they're not doing it. And Williams is even worse. You know, the fact is that neither of these teams should be where they are. Um, I think that McLaren is better and we'll see how it goes. But, um, you know, it's... It, how can how can Racing Point be beating Williams? How is that possible? They have the same engine. How is it possible? Well, because ev- everybody is, I suppose. <laughs> no, but the, you know the fact is that Williams is a big team in the old in the old sense of the word. It's a big organization, far bigger than Racing Point, and they're not doing the job. Why? Well, that's something we have to sort of figure out and decide upon, but. All right, Joe, I'll tell you what, let's figure that out and decide upon it now. That's Joe loves it when I put him on the spot and ask him to solve all the problems of a team or the sport in general. He also loves my bumpers and stings. That's why I play them so often on Joe's shows. Thank you very much, Joe Saywood, for joining us on Missed Apex Podcast. You have a, a blog. You, you, you have a little, you do a bit of writing on the side. You don't just do the podcast. You also put this into kind of written word form as well. Well, I try to, you know, I try to keep up with the old fashioned ways, writing on papyrus and sending it in the mail um yes i do um and i don't think that anybody it's easy for journalists to know all the answers but the fact is we don't know all the answers um and there's a lot of people out there who sort of pretend they do and maybe sometimes they get it right sometimes they get it wrong i don't think we can look at williams and say it's wrong because of this that and the other we can have an opinion um, but we're not necessarily right. So, you know, I think there's a problem with the leadership. There's no question about it. As to as to which part of the leadership is another question, but I just don't think they're being inspired. The staff is not inspired. I think I think the, the, the way they operate is out of date. I think that they need to have um, someone who, you know, when you, when you go charging to the edge of a cliff. In the old days, Frank Williams would say, this way, chaps, and they go hurtling off the cliff together. And and I remember when he brought one of his CEOs in, Adam Parr, and uh, you know, Adam Parr went to the edge of the cliff and said, this way, chaps, and they all said, after you. Um, you know, and I think that's that, that's something that you need to, you know, you have to have that kind of leadership, which is what Ron Dennis had, which is what Frank Williams had. Um, and it's obviously, you know, what someone like Otmar Zafnauer has, um, because he runs a good ship at Racing Point. Um, but leadership is, is somebody in the organization has to inspire. And that's really key to success in Formula One. And a lot of the questions when I tweeted, do you have any questions for, for Joe, are along these lines. Uh, so I'll just get to some of them now. I was, of course, trying to get Joe to plug his his internet website, which you can find by searching Joe Blogs F1 or Joe Sayward. It will take you there. Well worth checking out. And Joe's little green notebook, I think that's what it's called, little green notebook, after every trip where he writes in his notebook, the best, I would say, the best F1-based notebook currently around actively creating content, um, although we'll get to where the other notebook's gone in, in just a little while. Uh, but go and find Joe's that, articles. The, the other notebook was a mere follow-on from mine. It was just <laughs> Ted copying, you know. We'll get the inside scoop on that in a minute. Joe also has a uh, a web-based magazine you type it out on a typewriter you scan it and then you put those pages what together gp plus magazine about? gp plus magazine is that pdf plus magazine is an e-magazine it never ever goes on to paper i mean i, I expect there are people who print it out but they're really sad sicko weirdos with very very expensive print bills but you do it just um, after the race joe 
Yes, six hours after the race, we produce an 80, 90-page magazine. It's a bargain in the century. It's cheap as chips. Grand Prix Plus dot com. And it's not just me. It's, you know, there's, there's between us, there are four of us who do it. And between us, we have completed, we have attended, sorry, something like 2,200 Grand Prix between us. Amazing. So work that out. No, maths is hard, uh, but it's nice for you to share the credit. I take all the glory and credit. Well, 2,200 divided by four, you can do it. Come on. I don't know, 17. I think 17. Um, That's final answer. I'm going to lock that in. Peter Jenkins. It's it's 3.147. Peter Jenkins on Twitter says, how bad, how bad is the trouble Williams are in? And is their long-term future in doubt? Is this just a blip? that they're going to recover from or are we seeing a great team being run into the ground well we are seeing a great team being run into the ground but i think they probably have the money to survive i hope they do they're not like vj malia's mess last year which you know resulted in racing point coming along i think williams can get through uh the season on what they have certainly it's you know it might be it might be tight in terms of money but I think they've got enough to make it. I hope they do. Um, but, you know, they're a racing team fundamentally and they will survive. They're also a very good brand in racing. Um, but I do think if they're not careful in the longer term and they keep on being last, they will start to lose the ability to to stay self-sufficient. Um, now, Formula One is changing and maybe – if they can survive long enough until the commercial um, structures change. The plan is for everybody to have a budget cap of $135 million and and for the sport to provide $135 million. So fundamentally, if you can survive until that arrives, you should be able to survive. So um, I just hope they can, but I do think, you know, if they want to be successful and they want to climb the ladder, there's, there's certainly a lot of work to be done. I'll go to our live chat room here, which you can find on YouTube by searching for Missed Apex Podcast. And you can join us live. Uh, don't worry, Joe doesn't read these ch- chat comments. So I'm just picking out the, the nice ones, keeping it super positive. Uh, no, they're all being nice, Joe. They love you. Lance Lassen says... I don't care if they don't. He's lying. It's all he cares about. When he messages no, me in not. the week and otherwise, says... I, otherwise, I'd be reading them and going, ooh, ah, uh, whatever. I don't care. You can't care about what people think because if you do, you'll go bonkers. It's all a front. It's a spanners, spanners. What are they saying about me to you? What are they saying? I'm like, it's all right, Joe. They love you. They love you lots no. on the street. No, anyway. no, I've done this. I've done this blog for 10 years and I know what it's like. You know, you have to take the pain. And I, I don't really worry about it unless it gets really extreme. And, you know, in which case, occasionally I'll just tell someone to go take a hike. Um, well, Gashalt uh, says, we love you, Joe. Schultz, well, one. I, I have no problem with people loving what I do. Um, and I have no problem with people not liking what I do. What I have a problem with is when they're rude and abusive and don't have a clue what they're talking about, you know, which happens quite a lot, you know, because, you know, it's just how it is. I like when yeah. our I like when our two audiences clash. So they've got people who've been following you for a long time and catch you on this show and go, Who's that? Who's that idiot jumping up and down asking Joe's questions and uh, and 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 similar things the other way around? Uh, but hopefully we've all got used to each other now. Michael in the chat room says, "Keep it on topic, guys. Fine, fine, we will." Um, La- I was I was talking well, about Lance what's, Lassen's what's question. Topic? Lance Lassen's question says, "Has Williams reached the bottom yet, or is worse still to come before they get better?" And this budget no, cap aside, they, they, I think they've reached the bottom. You think this is the bottom? Yes. All right. So a lot of that we think is being caused by money. Um, is there any way that you can? No, it's not no? being caused by money. It's being caused by being badly led. Well, you've always been quite generous to Claire Williams, though, when we've spoken about it in the past. And sometimes you might have suggested that perhaps Paddy Lowe might not have been as amazing as everyone thinks he is. Or have I? am I misquoting you? No, 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 that's all fair. I think you know, the thing about Formula One is it's a complicated business. It's not easy. Paddy Lowe's a very intelligent man, a very good engineer. But just because you're those things doesn't make you a great technical leader. Adrian Newey is a very intelligent man, but he's not very good at being a technical director. He's very good at being a, a, an aerodynamicist. 
um, and making a difference in terms of performance. But, you know, he's not the technical director of Red Bull Racing. A lot of people think he is. He's not. There's a man called Pierre Vachet. We never hear that name. You never hear that name, but Pierre Wachet is a technical director of Red Bull Racing because Adrian's far too busy doing other things and just dipping in and out when he feels it's necessary, when he wants to, when he sees things to do. I'm still I'm still confused, though. I've, I mean, I've, I've stunned you there, haven't well, I? You... I? I'm still confused about we hearing we hear that, you know, they lost they lost money because the strolls held back money they should have paid them. Is is that is that true? We hear stuff about Kubica's money uh, being held up. Is that true? We we've we've heard other. I have no Martini idea. Money. I have no idea. You know, they're not going to tell me, are they? The fact is that strolls money. Uh, pr- to be fair, I think that that Lawrence Lawrence Stroll is a fairly straight businessman. Uh, I think probably if there's any kind of question about the stroll money, it would be that it's not all due in the same year. It'll be spread over a period of years and maybe they have to wait for that money to come. So maybe that creates cash flow problems that they could solve if it all arrived at the same time. But, you know, basically the stroll deal was over a number of years and therefore the uh, settlement money would be over a number of years too. As to the Russian, uh, Russian, Polish money, (laughs) I have no idea. No? Um, I, I've, I don't know. It's supposed to be a two-year deal, and it's supposed to be X amount. If it hasn't turned up, it hasn't turned up. But I don't, I don't know if that's the case or not. Yeah, but why would, why is that anybody's business other than the teams? You know, the fact is, are they, are they financially in trouble? I don't see it. No. Wow. So it's kind of worse if they're not in financial trouble. And yes, it is. Yes. It's actually, it is, it is worse. Now, it may be that you know we all have cash flow problems in our life. So maybe that's what they're having, but I don't see them being in imminent uh, danger of, of closing down like Force India was last year. Well, that's the impression that seems to have got to a lot of people. So when Robert Kubica, uh, Kubica uh, goes on TV and says, well, we are really careful because we haven't got the spares to bring uh, to, to change any damage. Is it because they can't afford the spares? They haven't built the spares? It's probably because they don't have the structure uh, the industrial structure to make the spares in the time available doesn't mean they can't do it just can't do it quickly yeah well that doesn't certainly doesn't bode well uh, if we get away from the team for a second because they have had a proper kick in in just about every quarter of the media i'm not saying that's not justified because they are so far off the back and when you have two drivers who are carrying a lot of hopes there's a lot of hope for george russell as as brits we haven't seen new young british drivers coming through for a little while. But I think the biggest one is obviously Robert Kubica and that huge Polish fan base that get behind him and everything he does. Michael Brown tweeted and said, how bad was Robert's race weekend? And does Joe think there's room for improvement? And, and he's, he's stressing, please don't hate on me, Polish fans. He's just trying to see it for what it is because there is goodwill. No one is saying there saying, oh, we don't want him to do well. Everyone wants him to do well first impression you go well he didn't hit the ground running necessarily listen everybody wants the fairy tale to happen but let's be realistic here and i know that polish fans can't be realistic necessarily and they do tend to get abusive if you say these kind of things but you know the fact is that robert had a life-threatening accident that messed him up for a number of years and for him to come back and to beat a George Russell or to be competitive in Formula One is going to be a hell of a big ask. George Russell is no slouch. You know, he's a, he's a quality driver um, and he will do absolutely everything he can to extract, extract performance from that car, which is what you'd expect from a young driver. Now, Robert's got to beat him if he wants to be taken seriously. And that's going to be tough. And, you know, I wish I wish that there were Cinderella stories all the time in Formula One, but there aren't. Basically, it's fairly brutal and it's realistic, and nobody's screwing Robert, you know, because they want, you know, because Russell's a Mercedes driver and all these conspiracy theories that people come up with. The fact is, if he's going to do it, he's going to do it, and if he's not, it's a story that would be nice if it happened, but isn't going to happen. So we'll see, but. Um, you know, to be honest, I think that, that Robert is there because of the money, and, and I think that's the key issue. And, and yeah, 
that may upset people, but that's just from my point of view, the way I look at and report on on the, the, the championship. That's how I see it. I will say, though, when he was first in Formula One, I don't remember seeing much in the way of interviews or having much of an impression of what he was like as a person. But already from one race, he comes across as very likable, very funny. And there was this beautiful video of him with a blind girl. And he was saying, well, there's two ways you can identify me and held the hand to his injury, said my hand's a bit different and then put it on his nose and said, and I've got a massive nose. Uh, so, he, I mean, he's he's definitely winning friends uh, in F1. No, no, I mean, he, he he's he's a character and he was a terrific driver. Really terrific driver, right up there with the best of them. And you know, the sad thing is the the ultimate tragedy of Robert Kubica is he had a he had a Ferrari deal, um, and he had his accident and messed himself up before he could become a uh, a star driver. And you know, if you talk to Lewis Hamilton, he'll say that the guy he respected most when they were when they were growing up was Robert Kubica, and you know, that's quite a claim. But unfortunately. It's a Shakespearean tragedy, if you like. But Robert, Robert went for, went because he loved rallying. Rob went on a rally and he hurt himself, and he hurt himself so badly that coming back from that is almost impossible. Now he's got this far, and good for him. And I'm I'm in awe of that because you know to get where he is now is impressive. But now he's got to beat you know the the bright young kids. He's thirty whatever it is, four, five, six years old and he's got to beat the 20 year olds who are you know who slit their throats of well not their own throats <laughs> slit the throats of anybody yeah. in their way um you know because that's that's how it is and and robert was like that at that age too you know so there's nothing new. Uh, he he knows the rules of the game and he's got to deliver. If he can't, he can't. Sport at every level, from the top professionals all the way down to the five-a-side game I play in, is relentless in churning out brand new, fast, strong 18-year-olds. And it's just, life is cruel. Is there any way we can stop this influx of youth coming in? Because I don't think I'm going to get to play football anymore. I think King Herod had a couple of ideas on that matter, but it's probably not the right way to go. You know, it's a controversial viewpoint, Joe. Um, not one. No, no, I mean, I'm slaughtering not the, slaughtering the innocents. You asked me how to fix the problem. I'm merely pointing out a couple of historical references. I'm not going to edit it out. I'm also not endorsing it. So that's that's where I'm going to go. Joe. I'm not endorsing it either. But there you are. So. Something that I think you have been endorsing this week on Twitter, Joe, and and I hope you don't mind me asking. It's just it's been very touching seeing you and a, a group of other f1 personalities and and media guys talking about how best to pay tribute to charlie whiting by dedicating race control to him it's it's a lovely idea that by changing that name you're going to get people in 10 years time going wait why are you calling race control charlie and then that story will be regurgitated uh, do you think it's possible are, are the right people paying attention um, it's possible. I, I, I don't know. I mean, who knows if the FIA president's had a chance to look at it, uh, he'd be the one who would decide that. But I think that's a terrific, a living monument, if you like, to Charlie. Um, and race control, you know, Romeo, Charlie, RC. Uh, why not? What, what have you got to lose? Race control is dull. To have something called Charlie is just great. I think that would be terrific, and I think it'd be a great monument to him. He was a he was a man who played a very important role in Formula One. So you know, and he died young, bless him. You know, I mean, sixty six these days is young. So, um, you know, I think I think that would be a nice thing to do. Whether Jean wants to do it, it's another matter. But you know, even if the FIA doesn't necessarily want to do it, all the drivers can get together and just whenever they yep. talk about it, just say, "Ask Charlie." They can make it happen too. You can make it a yeah. tradition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was reluctant to talk about it at the time because I don't have a personal connection. So it always feels a little bit empty. Obviously, this is somebody you are interacting with on a, a week to week basis. So, you know, you've, you're the right sort of people to be trying to make this kind of thing happen. And obviously, it's affected you guys personally. Well, I knew Charlie for 30, more than 30 years. So, you know, you're bound to. Uh, you're bound to feel it a little bit more than the fans, perhaps. But, you know, having said that, um, 
there's a there's a side to Formula One which a lot of fans have long forgotten, which is you know we thirty years ago we were used to losing people all the time, you know, and 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 you know so there's there's perhaps not the the the, the level of sort of um, schmaltzy romanticism that there is today, you know, it, it, it's just get on, we just get on and do the business, you know. I mean, um, I, as a as a thirty eight year old, I came into the sport, and we didn't have those tragedies until uh, Ratzenberger and Senna, and then we've been relatively lucky since then, all the way uh, till till Bianchi. I mean, so you're right. I've not grown up in a generation where it was it was regular, and I hope you know you'll agree with me that that's that's better. <laughs> the, 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 I, I I don't like the people who feel like there has to be that element of danger. It, that really turns me off. Um, but you're right. We have a sanitized sport. I'm glad we do, but it doesn't mean we can't remember the previous incarnations of it. It's a, it's an interesting argument because I, I do believe that, that uh, there is a, there is a, a necessary element of danger that makes it more exciting, that makes more people come to watch it. That doesn't mean I want to see people getting hurt or killed, but I think that, you know, there has to be a wow factor. The drivers have to be heroes. And sometimes, you know, you, you hear the drivers and they don't sound like heroes. They don't behave like heroes. And you just think, what are you doing? You're heroes. You know, you are going to be, or you should be rather, you should be the astronauts. Uh, you should be the guys that everyone goes, wow. You know who's like that? You know who's like that in this current crop? Kevin Magnussen. Absolutely. Kevin Magnussen Magnussen is a throwback to the the Viking era. And and if you've seen the Netflix documentary... I'm getting there. Kevin Magnussen Magnussen says, you know, if I die, I die. You know, this is what I'm doing. Um, And I accept the risks. Now, that's far better than having a Formula One driver who says that no Formula One driver should ever be hurt in a car. How can you have, how can you say such things? You're pushing the limits. If you're not pushing the limits, you're not doing the job properly. And, and, you know, you have to balance the, 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 the Ben Hur spectacle with the danger. Um, and also with the money, you know, they're paid vast sums of money. Is it because of their talent? No, there's a lot of talent out there. You can always find somebody else. They were paid lots of money in the old days because they took risks. And, you know, nowadays they don't take those risks. So it's an interesting reflection. Um, you know, it's so safe. It's not, it's not, it's not ever going to be 100% safe. You can't be 100% safe. There'll always be another one. Um, even with the, the halo, there's always another way of fate uh taking taking a hand and it's going to happen it's inevitable that it will happen at some point as i used to say to my lads you know death only has to win once you have to win every day and we can creep closer to not not winning that battle but we can we can lose it less a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. 
That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, let's go on to a slightly lighter topic. Uh, where's Ted? Where's Ted, Joe? Everybody misses Ted. Everyone misses Ted's um, notebook. The second best notebook-based media F1 content there is. Uh, what, what's happened? Where's the mystery? Where's he gone? To be quite honest, I think I saw Ted in Australia. Uh, in fact, yes, I'm pretty sure I did in the paddock. But he's not doing, you know, what Ted does best, which is wandering around talking to himself and talking to people and talking to the to the readers, uh, readers, the viewers. Um, the, the thing about Ted is it's a stream of consciousness, isn't it? That's what made that a yeah. special segment. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, I don't know. It was it was it was what it was. It was unique and a lot of people liked it. So the new uh, commander in chief of F1 at Sky didn't think it was worth it. And I think probably he's got two black eyes and a bloody nose, judging by the response <laughs> for Ted not being there. Uh, it's been a fairly brutal assault on him. Um, and he has to take the flack for it. You know, there, there are going to be bosses who will notice that there's been a huge sort of backlash against Sky because Ted's not there. And he's going to take the, carry the can for that. Now, ultimately... Uh, does it make any difference to the show? Yes, it probably does because Ted was unique. Uh, Ted, Ted still is unique. <laughs> yeah, no, let's not. He, Ted is in good health. He's fine, everyone. Uh, but he does. He's doing a midweek show, but somewhat more sanitized. Yeah, he's also doing some stuff on the Formula One group uh, on on F One TV. So I'm not quite sure exactly what that is, but he's going to be doing stuff. Um, which may, you know, who knows if they're smart, they'll make it, they'll make it like Ted and his diary. So, uh, yeah, I'm not a media expert at all. And I certainly love the likes of Damon Hill, Johnny Herbert, my absolute favourite, Brundle uh, doing the great commentary and analysis. Love having all those ex-drivers there. But you do need an element of not just punditry, because we don't want it to just be match of the day with Lineker and Ian Wright. When you've got characters like Ted Kravitz and certainly Will Buxton, who is essentially doing performance art to the camera, and it's this sculpted flow of thought and analysis, and he's, he's using his body and his hands as much as his mouth. We need characters like Ted and Will entertaining us, not just ex-drivers telling, telling us we don't know anything. I think that's true. Um, and I think also that, you know, there has been a, a trend of always just going for these ex-drivers, and, and there are just far too many of them, I think, because there are there are journalists, reporters, whatever you want to call them, presenters, who are quite capable of doing as good a job. Uh, you, you can't do it. You know, Martin Brundle is exceptional, but you don't need to have 27 analysts um, you know, you can you can get by with one. Amazingly, the BBC did it with Murray and James Hunt. You know, <laughs> uh, there was no need to have. I think they had a pit lane reporter in Jonathan Palmer for a while. Um, but you know, you don't need to have the level of. Uh, for some reason, it was always driver, 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 and uh, and it's just the way it was. But I think they would benefit from being a little bit more rounded um, and having the Teds of the world. Well, well, he's not he's not completely gone, but I think we have we've lost something out of our our weekend. Ted's notebook certainly it, it had something. It was uh, what do you call it? Lightning in a bottle. And I don't think you could go and go right. We're going to audition now for someone to do the next uh, paddock book, and it be the same. So there's there's an egg that's been fried, and we can't unfry it unless they just give him that spot back. Uh, back to a bit of on track action. Then I have a question. From Twitter again, uh, from Amy Taylor. And Amy asks, how does Joe think that Renault will do this season? And in particular, Hulkenberg versus Ricardo. Now, I've got a particular question for you, Joe, because I've, I've just heard little whispers that Ricardo hasn't gone in there and it's all been sunshine and roses. He's gone in there with, uh, not a chip on his shoulder would be unfair, but he's gone in there going, right, I need to get this done. And it's not been frictionless within the team. So I don't know, what is your viewing of, of this young buck coming into an established team with an established driver? Um, I think any, any young driver who wants to be successful has to be aggressive. So 
if he's gone in there and said, we've got to do this, this, and this, good for him. Because, you know, he's he's coming from a winning team to a team that hasn't won for a very long time. So, you know, it, they, they possibly need a wake-up call and a kick up the bum. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how him and Nico do. Um, I think Daniel's start in Australia was well, gruesome, really. It was... It yeah. was hideous um but i don't think we've seen um all that they can do i think they can probably do a lot more so are they going to finish fourth joe you want to hope so wouldn't you (laughs) no they should i don't see them finishing above fourth but i think they should finish fourth um what would be really interesting is is the top three how how they how they will um pan out in the long term i think the red bull honda is a lot better than people thought it would be yeah it's looking strong i'm not quite on the hype train of uh, them challenging mercedes but we've got an interesting dynamic where ferrari is so much further back than we expected in australia that we don't know whether red bull have taken a huge step forward or whether it is the status quo it's just that ferrari have kind of just fallen back and if ferrari unlock their potential they'll slot back in between those two no i don't i don't agree with that i think that that uh Ferrari has a competitive car. It was tuned into Barcelona. It wasn't tuned into Albert Park. Mercedes did a better job. Ferrari will probably be back on the pace again this weekend in in Bahrain. On on the Mercedes pace or on their potential pace? I know I think they could be ahead of Mercedes. The thing is that people underestimate how circuit specific things are these days. And you know the the key is not to be competitive at one race is to be competitive at as many races as possible and Mercedes have been very good at that Red Bull is still in a phase where they they tend to be competitive at the short tracks with the sort of squiddly bits <laughs> um, and Ferrari were very good last year so don't write them off because it's not a done deal at all um, and I think we'll see that when we're certainly in Spain, they're going to be they're going to be very competitive in Spain, but I think they'll be competitive in Bahrain and China as well. Well, before we get to that European leg, yeah, obviously Bahrain and China are two tracks that do give us at least overtaking. Bahrain saw that glorious battle between Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg. I- imagine that that scenario now. If you're telling me Ferrari are going to be back on pace, I'm seeing a scenario where the last third of the race on Sunday is a resurgent Bottas in full attack mode, Lewis Hamilton trying to prove that he's still on top, Sebastian Vettel with this young buck behind him. A proper four-way scrap like that would be so great for F1, and I, I think we're due something like that, aren't we, Joe? We deserve it. I, I don't think you should write off Red Bull guys as well. Even for Bahrain? Yeah, because basically, you know, they may not have the outright pace, but they, they do have better tyre usage. So as we saw at the end of last year, they come through. And on tracks where you can overtake, we've seen Max Verstappen. And there's no reason we won't see Pierre Gasly in, in the mix as well. So I think we're in for a really exciting season. I don't think we should base any kind of um, decisions on what we saw at one race meeting in Australia, which is always a bit odd. Oh, I want to jump to conclusions and wildly speculate. You ruin everything, Joe. Well, please feel free to, to jump to conclusion, wildly speculate, but I'm not going to, so. Yes. Uh, well, everybody join us for our race review on Sunday, which will be at 8pm UK time. Don't forget, international listeners and viewers, that we are moving to BST, British summertime, between qualifying and the race. Uh, but I only operate on UK time because I'm just bone ignorant. Sorry about that. I am going to ask you about tracks, Joe. But before that... I want to plug a track we're going to, which is Rye House, just north of London in Hoddesdon. It's Rye House Kart Raceway, where we are going to be taking 51 drivers for 12 races of action-packed racing. You can race against myself, Alex Jeansy Van Jean, Bradley Philpot, Chris Stevens, Kyle Power. Who have I left out? I'm definitely going to offend someone. But the bottom line is you can come and watch us do a live podcast recording at 11 if you wish. And then you can come karting with us and then we'll hang one on for a beer as well. If you want to take one of the last remaining spaces, it's £79 for the 20th of April. And you can email me spannersready at gmail.com or go to mistapexpodcast.com 
forward slash karting. And don't be afraid to come alone. Everybody there is into karting, Formula One, and hopefully likes Missed Apex as well. It would be strange if they came there just to hate us in person. Joe, you can't come because you're you're dressing up as the Easter Bunny and delivering Easter eggs that day. Um, probably. I'm foreign, you know. I live abroad. So. You'll, you'll come to the next one, though, won't you, Joe? You'll come to the next one. I don't know. It depends when it is. I, you know, I have to occasionally go home. This is something that is a, a necessary requirement of life. Um, and uh, as a Formula One reporter, getting home is quite rare. So um, def- last weekend, I, I was at home for my granddaughter's fourth birthday party. And you wouldn't have got me away from that for all the tea in China. So. It sounds like a brush off, kids. Don't worry. We'll, we'll work on Joe for the next one. But do come and join us at Rye House Kart Raceway on the 20th of April for some karting. Joe, but tracks. You're going to go to Odston, Odston. I mean, you know, Odston. dangerous neighbourhood. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfectly safe. The dinosaurs outside it are, are, aren't are real. And there is a family There are park. dinosaurs in yeah, Odston? There is, yeah. You can take your family there to play with the dinosaurs while you come racing with us. Joe, everyone always wants to ask you about uh, tracks. And Anders in our Slack group says... Any insider information, Joe, on the 2020 calendar? Silverstone, Monza, Mexico, possibly Barcelona, Austin, uh, Hanoi, Netherlands. Uh, Sam Harper continued in the chat room that if there was a Dutch GP next year, he would chew on his shoe. He won't commit to eating his shoe, uh, but he will chew it. I hope it's a clog he gets to chew on because I think there will be. You think we're going to, to that there, Holland? Hang on. I always get told off. Holland is a region of the Netherlands. So... It'll be the Netherlands GP. This is very true. It is. Right. There you go. I got it right, Dutch fans. Um, it does seem ripe for a Grand Prix, just given the, the fan base that is there. Yes, it does. Uh, and and there are others too. I think, as I keep saying to everybody, watch out for South Africa because it's going to happen. South Africa? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why is that not registered in my radar before? Because you're not reading the right stuff. So you should read the right stuff by searching for Joe Sayward. No, no, no. You need to actually read the the insider newsletter I do. That's where I've written that mainly. Still waiting for mates rates on that. Come on, Joe. There's no such thing as mates rates. You know, man's got to eat. (laughs) Look at me. I'm getting skinny in my old age. So, you know, so. Yes. Sorry, you you should always say yes uh, when someone says that. Uh, Joe, so no no more inside scoops for us. Uh, How about um, Silverstone where they're always threatening to, to... to have this as the very last race. Do I need to rush to get my historic last ever Silverstone Grand Prix tickets and memorabilia? Probably not. I, I, I think it's it's logical that they will find a solution. They're not very far apart on money. Uh, the British Grand Prix is an important race. Silverstone would be stupid to lose it. Um, Formula One would be stupid to lose it. So, you know, it kind of makes sense to find a solution, doesn't it? Now, if there was a solution elsewhere in Britain... You know, if there was a, a a race in London, well, perhaps Silverstone need to watch out. But I can't see anything happening in London at the moment. All right, Joe, we're going to let you pack your flight bag for Bahrain. But before you go, let's see if I can convince you to tune into any of the upcoming Missed Apex podcast shows. Will you be tuning into our live stream Sunday, 8pm? No. No, I guess you'll be busy selfishly working on your, your own GP Plus magazine that people exactly. can subscribe yeah. to. Uh, very reasonable rates. Would you perhaps be convinced to tune in to our conversation with Statman Sean Kelly the following week? Could that tempt you? It depends on the date you and could... the time because I'm, you know, I'm flying around doing stuff. You have to fit, as a Formula One reporter, you have to fit your entire life into half the time. I've been, I've been out there today uh, woodworking, working in the garden, digging things up, you know, things that need to be done. He's got so, staff. Don't believe him. He's got staff. He, he, what he yeah, means right. is he was coordinating people doing all of that. No, stuff. no, I was actually doing it. If you look very closely, you can see sawdust in my hair. So, <laughs> but it, but if you were at home, I changed free, my shirt actually, incidentally, coming on because I didn't want to look as though like, I was a sort of yokel who works in the garden. You know what I mean? We'll send you some team wear, Joe. We'll send you some Miss Apex gear. Oh, I can hardly wait. 
I choose to believe that that is sincere. Well, maybe then that same. I'll, try, I'll, do, I'll do that again with sincerity. I can hardly wait. That edit's going to sound brilliant. Maybe we I can hardly you. wait. Maybe we could tempt you to listen in to Matthew Carter, who's going to come and chat to us on the live stream soon. Uh, Matthew, I, I'll listen to Matthew if I can. He's always entertaining. So. fantastic guys wherever you catch us next follow us on twitter at missed apex f1 we have a facebook group as well search for missed apex podcast on facebook or you can find me by searching for spanners ready anywhere on the internet until next time remember that wounds heal chicks dig scars and glory last forever this was inside f1 with joe and me i helped Someone has to press record. Can I have dinner now? <laughs> you know, not dinner yet. It's, it's super late. What is it? Is it nine o'clock in, in France? It's 9.08, yes. All right, then. I suppose. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.